Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker, joining me via teleportation or Skype, whatever whatever you like to call it. Uh, yeah, if, if only, if only we could teleport, then the, you know, the hour drive would be, would merely be seconds. It wouldn't matter anymore. That would be, that'd be cool. When are they going to do that? What's what, yeah. what years are like Star Trek? When, when is that supposed to happen? Like 20, is that like 2200 something? Yeah. You're, you're actually pretty close. I think, yeah, yeah I think it's like 22 something. So, yeah, uh, I, I think I'm going to miss out on that. I don't, maybe. I don't think I'm going to. I'm also not going to like freeze my body. I'm not going to do the cryogenic thing. I don't think I'm just going to, no. I'm just going to call it good. Whenever I'm dead, I'm going to be cool with being dead. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I, uh, I've already told Kirsten, I said, I want one of those Viking funerals, right? Where they push out the sea and oh, light shoot, on fire, the, so. shoot the arrows at it. Yes. Yes. But who's going to fire the arrow? That's true. Do she you have, won't be, uh, do you have a friend that's randomly incredibly talented with a bow? I'll just start training my my next child. There you go. Like, or yeah. not my next child, but my first child, and yeah, yeah. get them trying to tell for us something. Is, is there a <laughs> is there a mini Justin running around that we don't know about? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's there's no, no possible way. way that's the case. There's no way. Uh, okay, there, there's really not. There's not. There's no Justin out there. Uh, okay. So today's show, the Metropolitan Division, part two, we've already hit the Islanders, Devils, Jackets, and Hurricanes. So if you haven't heard that yet, go back, listen to the show, subscribe, and you can also listen to the rest of our Pacific Division and Central Division, everything broken up into four team increments so uh, so as not to get too long per episode. And we'll, we are going to close out the Metro with the Rangers starting right now and we're just going to do a well I like we always do a rundown of who they added, who they subtracted and then we'll ask some big questions about where these particular teams are going to go, what we think about maybe their off season and uh, how we're kind of predicting out and projecting their regular season so with that said uh, the, the Rangers added really like one big signing in Barkley Goodrow they signed him to a, a redonkulous deal for a, a third line player. I guess uh, you know what what was it? Three point six million. I think it was like a crazy number. It's like three point six four one six six seven for seven years. And uh, oh no, I'm sorry, six years for six years. And uh, so a big long term for him. And then they also add Ryan Reeves via trade and Sammy Blaze via trade as well. They lose Pavel Bushnevich. They buy out Tony D'Angelo. Philip D. Giuseppe goes to the Canucks from the Rangers. Brendan Smith signs with the Hurricanes. And Brett Howden is a part of that trade to the Golden Knights for Ryan Reeves. Uh, Justin, I my big, big, big question for the Rangers. You know, they, they did a few things. Oh, I forgot to also mention they also hired a new coach. That, to me, is probably maybe the biggest move they made, bringing in Gerard Gallant. So, uh, with all this said, what are your first thoughts on these New York Rangers in their offseason? Well, I mean, obviously the big signing is Barclay Goudreau, right? They go out and they pluck one of the guys from the third line. If, in my opinion, honestly, probably... The I mean, the worst of the three guys that were on the third line there for um, 
you know, for, for Tampa. And they give him, a, a, again, a big extension, or not extension, but a big contract, six years, $3.6 million. And that's, a, I mean, I don't mind the money per se per year, I guess, but the term they're giving him at 28 years old for a guy who is basically a glorified third liner. I mean, listen, at 20 points last season, his best six season was... Goals. <laughs> yeah, six goals. His best season was the last year with when he got traded to Tampa and he managed to put in a total of 26 points and only eight goals. So you're essentially paying $3.6 million for eight goals and a guy who plays with a little bit of sandpaper to him. And yeah, I know if, he, yeah. I, I mean, if, if I, you include, so if you go back last year, last year uh, he played 62 games for San Jose eight for the lightning. So there's 70, another 55 regular season games. You're up to 125. And if you take the last two playoffs, that's uh, a total of 43 games. Then you are at 148 games. No, 168 games, 168 games. And he has scored a total of 17 goals in 168 games. It's like a goal yeah. every 10 games. So he, he truly is like his six goals last year, about on pace for what he would do in 82 games, like an eight goal year. That is his MO. Yeah. And again, that's the same kind of goal production though. I mean, I will say that basically the golden Knights got out of Ryan Reeves. Yep. I mean, and we know what Ryan Reeves is right. He's essentially supposed to be a fourth line checker fighter, that's the type of guy he is, right? And so you don't pay $3.6 million for a third-line guy who is essentially going to give you eight goals a year. And, again, I know he brings a lot of other elements outside of the goal scoring, and um, but still, I mean, with, with the amount of money that this team is going to have to spend in RFAs and UFAs next year, that's a ton of money to hand out to guy to a guy who essentially is never going to see, in my opinion, any minutes past third-line minutes. Especially considering the fact that you had Pavel Buznevich, who is a 20-goal scorer, easy every year. I mean, last year, had it been a full season, he would have he would have inched pretty probably pretty close to 30. Definitely would have hit 25. Uh, and and he's doing it consistently. He's only 26 years old, and he's got four years left on his deal at 5.8 million. I would take that any day over someone who can barely push 30 points. Uh, and is never going to score you a goal. I mean, Bujnevich was putting up, he probably would have ended up in a full season with 70 points. I mean, that's a that's a seven, eight million dollar player in today's dollars. And it, yeah, they they go the route of Barkley Goudreau and Ryan Reeves. And why? Because they deem themselves not tough enough. Yeah. Is my only that's, explanation. Uh, that's the, exactly it. Yeah. And it's, it's very akin to to the Washington Capitals blowing a 3-1 lead against the Montreal Canadiens in like 2009 was it? 2010? And uh, and saying oh we can't play defense we need to we need to do something about this and they moved players they, they brought in a new head coach they changed everything and they screwed up what they had all in the name of playing better def- defense because they ran into quite possibly the hottest goaltender in the last 20 years in the playoffs. That that right. Yaroslav Halak. Since Gihei Bear. <laughs> it, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or since, uh, since 
uh, Jean Sebastian Jean Oh man or uh yeah yeah Jaguar, sorry yeah. Jaguar. Jaguar, yeah. Jaguar. yeah it's uh it's unconscionable to change a lot of your makeup just because of one moment or one series in my mind you know unless it's happening now it's different if if it's happened let's say five series in a row okay and you you know you're struggling and you and there's a clear reason why uh the rangers to me yeah i can i can definitely justify bringing in ryan reeves sure why not but why are we swapping out goudreau for bujnevich it doesn't make any sense to me and uh Sadly, I I think that it's plus they have nine, they have ten million, almost ten nine point three million in cap space. So certainly they could have afforded him at least this year, and kicked the can down the road when Zabinajad, Strom, uh, are both UFAs, and they could have dealt with it then. Uh, not to mention the fact that they also gave five point six million dollars to a goalie who has played what forty five games. Total in the end, it's 47 games in the National Hockey League. And it's been over the last two years. I mean, he's been pretty good. But, I mean, Shesterkin, it's $5.6 million? I mean, obviously they're banking on, hey, he's going to be really good and we would have to pay him more if we only paid him, you know, maybe $3 million bucks for two years. They're thinking that it would be a worse situation later on. But I... I feel like this is a gross overpayment for a goalie who has not had much opportunity to prove himself over the long haul. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I, I essentially, if, you know, like you said, it, it comes down to they're buying, you know, basically value on the, the latter years of this contract. And I, I get it. But how good is he going to be? Like, is he really going to be so good that he's going to be a $7 million a year goalie that, that you feel like you have to overpay him now? No, I honestly think this guy's going to be, you know, be a nine teens type of save percentage goaltender, which is fine and good. He'll be, he'll be, you know, might be top ten goaltender. I don't think he'll be up there in those in that top five, but he might be a top ten goaltender. You know, if he if he develops here over the next couple of years a little bit more. But still, with that said, you know, he's not going to command ten million dollars. They're, you know, I don't think teams now are going to be paying goaltenders what Bobrovsky got just because of they look and they can see what happened there, and so. You know, again, I, I think, you know, the contract's going to be up at 29. And I think they're looking at it as an, okay, when he's 29, we'll still get one more crack at signing him to a long-term deal and make it, you know, worse something instead of being hampered at 30, you know, say 33 years old, uh, you know, where maybe they be like, okay, well, we can't give this guy, you know, seven years anymore. So, um, you know, maybe they're looking at it from that kind of perspective. And especially, you know, like I said, They've got so many RFAs and UFAs to sign this offseason, so maybe they're trying to buy value now by giving them a couple more years. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I The question for me now, when you're sticking with goaltending, you know, Shesterkin's been good. Gorgiev's been good as a backup. But you know what? If you look at his numbers, they're pretty comparable to what Shesterkin had as far as, you know, you look at his numbers last year, 9-10, he was pretty dang good. This year, 19 games, 9-05. Now, he wasn't as good as Shesterkin, but... I mean, it's been pretty close, and he's been pretty consistent as far as, you know, save percentage goals against are concerned. And you know what you're getting out of him now at this point, and I think he's going to probably want to raise from the $2.4 million he gets. So, you know, maybe they're also looking at it like that, like we're, we got a 1A, 1B situation about to happen here, so we don't want to pay, you know, Carey Price $10 million and, you know, Jake Allen another $4 million. So, uh, you know, maybe they're looking at it like that. Who knows? But 
I, you know what, regardless, I think, you know, maybe this year if he, you know, continues down that path of development and, and keeps playing as well as he has been over the last couple of years in the short sample size we've seen him, you know, this contract will be more than worth it, in my opinion. Hey, if he wins the Vezina Trophy, then, uh, you know, well, I'll, of course, I'll, take, yes. I'll take everything <laughs> back. Um, you mentioned the RFAs that need to be signed next offseason, uh, just to run through them, not to mention the UFAs in Zabinajad and Strom, specifically Zabinajad. Uh, Sammy Blaze, Kravstov, uh, Capocacco, and Julian Gauthier up front, and then, of course, Adam Fox on the back end. And then uh, you said Georgiev is an, also an R- RFA in the goaltending position. So, I mean, you're looking at a lot of key players who, I mean, they've, they're have they going to have $17 million to play with as of right now. So $17 million. You know, with Adam Fox, I don't think you're getting away with less than nine million. So go ahead and slate in Adam Fox for you know very similar money to Kale McCarr. Uh, I don't think you're getting a Quinn Hughes kind of discount. You know, obviously our uh, our Vancouver Canucks preview did not include the signings of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, but both players, you know, seven point eight five for. Uh, six years for Hughes and seven point three five for three years for Pedersen. It's I mean they got a sweetheart deal on both these players, especially Hughes. I don't think that Adam Fox is going to go. Yeah, just give me seven. <laughs> I no, he won the so- Norris <laughs> like he was uh, by by all you know by that standard he was better than Kale McCarr. Yeah, absolutely. So there's the there's the reasoning, right? He's got the Norris Trophy where guys like Seth Jones, Zach Warinsky, Kel McCarr, they have not got that Norris Trophy. Yeah, they've, they've been considered and, you know, been up there as far as, you know, voting's concerned, but they don't have the hardware he does. He's he's shown he can be consistent as far as production is. And I think, you know, if Adam Fox's camp is smart, they're going to wait till, well, I, I shouldn't say Adam Fox's camp, but I, I the New York Rangers, they'll want to wait it out this year because maybe they're hoping – I don't know, maybe if they're hoping, but they're hoping that, you know, he doesn't pull in another Norris trophy type year because then they're definitely gonna have to shell out nine million bucks. I don't think you have uh, any problems. Shell- I mean, if a guy wins another Norris trophy, you're you're happily shell out nine million bucks. You know, it's it's not the right. it's not the guys making a ton of money at the top that you mind giving money to. It's the guys like Barkley Goodrow you mind giving three point six to. Uh, but apparently Chris Drury had no problem doing that. And you know, <laughs> it, it is interesting. Now that you know the dust has settled after the Jeff Gordon firing and and all that, that I don't think Jeff Gordon would have brought in Barkley Goodrow at that number. No, I don't no, think that he not. would have made the moves that Chris Drury made. So, uh, like Chris Drury has very quickly put his stamp on this team, and signing Adam Fox, Capo Caco. I mean, really, Adam Fox, he's going to get paid, uh, even if he has like a slightly down year from what he had last year, he's still going to make over seven, $8 million. Uh, it's really the Capo Caco. Like, can he step up into what people expect of him? You know, you get it. This is the, the really the first real legitimate off season that, that he's getting that, you know, he, he had his rookie year. All right. You don't totally know what to expect coming in your rookie year. And, and he had to kind of, he had, he had an okay rookie year. I mean, it wasn't wasn't good. It wasn't like pitiful. Uh, he scored ten goals in sixty six games, but from that point on, everything was so weird. 
you know, with COVID, uh, you're almost you you are expecting some of these players' developments to be maybe maybe a little stunted. So he has a you know just a, an okay year again in his sophomore year. You are really expecting him to come out and be a difference maker for the Rangers. He he seemed to be better towards the end of last year, and you're you're wondering. Can he be the guy who is taken second overall? You're expecting probably 20 goals and 20 assists out of Capo Caco. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's going to be playing second line minutes, likely with Ryan Strom and maybe Artemi Panarin. So he's going to get every opportunity to increase his production. Uh, you know, but again, I, I think you, you know, you're hoping that he takes another step. And you know what? I think luckily for the Rangers, his last two seasons haven't been you know, blowout seasons as far as, you know, 50, 60 points. So now they've got a little ammunition to come back and say, cool, you know, we, we can give you 3 million bucks. Uh, we can give you a Barkett, you know, Goudreau money and, you know, get you signed for two, three years, a little short-term deal. And, and hopefully he develops and then they really have to shell out. But, you know, then they got to think about next year too, because then they've got the number one overall picks, Alex Lafreniere, who's going to be, you know, an RFA. He's going to need an extension after that off season. So, um, you yeah. know, they've, they've and if he has a good year playing. this year, it's going to be uh, lights out. Like the Rangers are going to, I mean, it's, it's a problem everyone would love to have, right? Like right. <laughs> everyone would love to have, oh man, you have so many good young players coming that you just can't even, you're not even sure how you're going to keep all of them. Like what a shame. <laughs> well, right, exactly. I'll tell you what, you're going to probably have to go, uh, like somebody's going to be, somebody's going to have to go. And you know, the sad thing is, is, you assign Chris Kreider to a stupid deal. Uh, that's a terrible deal. Like in the end, right now, it's it is what it is. You know, six point five million for Kreider, who put up thirty points in in fifty games, twenty goals. So he's a thirty goal scorer. Like he's he's right around, I think, where he should be uh, with his cap hit this year. Like six point five million for a guy who's putting up fifty five points and thirty goals. I mean, that's that's reasonable. What's going to happen in like two years when here you go, well, we can't really afford to keep Chris Kreider around anymore and he still has four years left on his deal and no one will take him from us. And uh-oh, yeah. we can't re-sign Mika Zabinijad. And guess what? Your best players are wingers. So you're going to need to figure that out real quick. Like there's a lot of issues to me with the Rangers and the way that they're constructed because their best players are wingers, they're one centerman. I don't know if they're going to be able to afford to keep them. Like, yeah, and that's the question, right? Mika Zibanejad apparently wants close to ten million dollars. That uh, he for should his next contract. I mean, the last the last three years, he's put up more than a point per game. If you you know if you take the last three years combined, he's put up more than a point per game. And I mean, he's coming off a. Of, uh, 30, then 41 goals, and then 24 in a shortened season. I mean, this guy, he he's a perennial 30-goal scorer, at least. Uh, he's going to get paid somewhere, uh, whether it's from New York or some other team. You know that somebody's going to be knocking on the door. Uh, is there any way – I don't think there's any way that he gets dealt beforehand. Like, I, I, I don't see that happening. This is, this is going to be a team that is making a big push for the playoffs. Like, I – to me, I, I'm not going to say whether I think they're going to make the playoffs, but if they miss the playoffs, this is a huge failure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without Be- a doubt. 
when you look at you know, the the top end talent they have, they're very balanced from you know top to bottom as far as all four lines are concerned. And then when you look at the back end, you've got the Norris Trophy winner, you've got Jacob Truba, Ryan Lindgren, and then you've got Keandre Miller who's developing very very nicely, and you've got a good goaltending tandem. There's all the right pieces in place to be a successful team. Now the question is, you know, outside of Panarin, you know, they they don't really have that game changer up front, and obviously you'd, you'd like to have. Uh, you know, one or two more. Well, of you're sure you thinking at- that Lafreniere is going to be your game changer along with Caco, Capo, Caco. Yeah. Like that's where so. that that's where you know your first overall pick better be something. <laughs> right. <laughs> it better, it, you better have something to show for in season two. Season one, we we can write off. See, I think for Lafreniere in particular, I think we can all write off last year easily. Like no one has a problem writing off last year because. The, it was a weird-ass year. Like, mm-hmm. we can go ahead and write that off. But it better be good this year. Like, he better put up, you know, minimum probably 50 points. Like, 50, below 50 points would probably be considered a, a pretty, like, ooh, like, is this going to turn out? Like, is he going to be as good as we thought he should be? I'm expecting him to put up close to 70, to, like somewhere between 70 and 80 points. I think really? that he will be a point per game play. He's he's going to get opportunities to play. I think with uh, with Panarin, he's going to get more power play time. I think that he's going to put up some big numbers. Like we know, this kid can score. He's going to he's going to prove why he was the first overall pick. Like, I don't think that he's just going to bust out of the the first overall pick. Like it's it's not going to happen. He he was okay. so good in juniors. And then you have a weird COVID year. You don't actually get to spend any time with your your team. You don't get to practice. Like, of course, this kid didn't have the best year. It it, it makes sense. But this year, I, I expect him minimum minimum like sixty points out of Lafreniere. I would it would be my my bet. But I think he'll he'll be close to a point per game here. Okay, wow. Especially I mean, right if you get some time with uh, Panarin. Yeah, well, right now the Rangers got him slated on that top line with Zabinajad and Kreider. I think they, you know, I think from what I heard, they they actually switched because uh, Lafreniere is more comfortable on the left side, so they actually moved Kreider to the right side, which is not his normal spot. But um, I honestly could peg him between 50 and 60 points. I'm not going to go point per game yet. But, again, he's going to see power play time, top line minutes with Panarin on that, that power play. He's going to get, you know, 18, 17 minutes a game, I think, as far as – you know, time on ice per night. And so, you know, again, he'll have every opportunity and he's got good players around him, right? He's not like your typical first overall picks where they come in and they've got really nobody, maybe one other person on the team that can really dish the puck. So he's got every opportunity to to succeed right now. And I I think you'll see him play a little with Panarin. I I just have a feeling. Um, I guess you're, I guess you're kind of putting Capo Caco with, uh, with Panarin there to see if he can get him going. But yeah, uh, now that might not work out, and they might switch them. They might move them around. You never know. That's right. Okay, uh, I think we're good on the Rangers for now. We'll come back with our playoff predictions at the very end for the Metro, but let's uh, let's move on unless you have anything final to say about the Rangers. I guess the question, just yes or no, do the Rangers lose both Strom and Zibanejad in the offseason? I think they're going to do everything they can to keep Zibanejad. Uh, okay. That would be my – they have to. <laughs> and okay. maybe that means one of their one of their younger guys is in a trade. All Let right. See. The Rangers are never without drama. 
You know, they're never without like, oh, a really big name is going to get traded there. Now, all, like, yeah, I guess. Well, you keep hearing Jack Eichel's name thrown around. So yeah, we'll I mean, see. he's not going to he's not going to be anything for a, a year. I don't think he's going to play at all this year. No, and there maybe could be one of your younger guys, right, getting dealt next offseason. So. Very true. Okay, let's go Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, a big change for them. Uh, just, I mean, it seems like everybody left and then a whole new slew of guys come in. Uh, they add Ryan Ellis in a trade with the Predators and uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, trade with the Sabres, Cam Atkinson with from the Blue Jackets, and they sign Martin Jones, Keith Yandel, Nate Thompson, Derek Broussard, and Adam Clendenning. They lose Jakub Voracek to the Blue Jackets in that trade for Cam Atkinson. Nolan Patrick, who eventually ends up as the Golden Knights in that trade with Nashville. Uh, Shane Gossespair goes to the Coyotes. Philippe Myers to the Predators. Robert Hag to the Sabres. Brian Elliott leaves for the Lightning. And uh, Carson Twerinski was the Kraken's expansion draft pick. Um, the least consequential player that they lost. <laughs> okay, biggest question for the Flyers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Carter Hart. Which no, Carter I'm, Hart I'm with are we going to get? Which Carter Hart do we get this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you because, listen, if you look beyond Carter Hart, you've got Martin Jones as your backup, right? And if I'm any sort of Philadelphia Flyers fan... I am scared out of my mind to see him play more than 15, 20 games this year. So, And then you look in the minor leagues, what they've got in the system, the pipeline, there's not much. There's really nothing to be like, you know, okay, cool, we can deal with one or two years of Martin Jones, and hey. we've got a guy coming that could back up Carter Hart. Not happening. You know what's really funny? You Do you know how unbelievably consistent Martin Jones is? You know, for the <laughs> last three years, over the course of 100 and 137 games. He has an 8.96 save percentage every single year the last three years. 62 wow. games, 41 games, and 34 games. 8.96 save percentage. You freaking know what you're going to get from this guy. And in 20 playoff games, he he elevated his game to an 8.98 save percentage. Like, oh boy. This guy is the model of consistency of being pretty bad, but... He was considerably better than Carter Hart, who had an 8.77 save percentage. And, and we know all about uh, his failures last year. I think that it was just a really weird year for him. And I, I think, once again, especially for some of these younger guys, we're just going to go ahead and forgive last year. Uh, do you think, though, like, are we going to see the 9.14 Carter Hart you know, like a, that, that mid mid nine ones, or are we going to see somebody kind of hovering around nine hundred, uh, kind of floating through? You know, almost that like, well, you're the Flyers are winning games because they actually overall, if you didn't if you discount the goaltending, they had a playoff team. In every other way, they had a playoff team. It just they couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Now, they, <laughs> they address some of that by, by their acquisitions of Ryan Ellis and Ristolainen and Keith Yandel. Like, they basically overhaul their entire defense. Uh, and, and certainly you hope that that will answer that question, but uh, it's going to really come down to, to what? What's the difference for the Flyers this year? Yeah, I honestly think the difference is going to be Ryan Ellis, to be, in my opinion. 
I think this guy is a stud on the blue line. I think he's going to put up top two minutes for this team, probably playing most of his nights alongside Ian Provorov, and I think he's going to be just I don't want to say a game changer, but he's going to be a calming veteran presence, right? He's a guy who's reliable. You know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to put you up, you know, 30, 35 points a season, but he's he's not going to make a huge amount of mistakes. He's not going to be up and down as far as his gameplay every night. Whereas, like, you know, Shane Goss this year, right? He got, you know, let go this, this season, moved on to greener pastures. But you know what? You didn't know what you were getting out of him every single night. You were getting crap some nights. You were getting, you know, a, a good defenseman some nights. And then when you look beyond that, you know, the rest of this blue line to me is is enough to really to help Carter Hart, right? Maybe not necessarily get back to maybe that 914, 917 save percentage he had a couple years ago, but I think he'll be somewhere in the middle, maybe 910, 909, enough to enough to maybe put them right there in that bubble spot where they can compete. Okay. Yeah, I mean, see the 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 one issue I have with that is just that Carter Hart is not supposed to just be an average goaltender. Like, Correct. He was lauded to be the next big goaltender in the NHL, and so thinking that, you know, or I guess hoping that he's he can just maintain that nine oh nine, you know, somewhere in the nine hundreds for a save percentage. I mean, this is a little bit of a fall from grace because I think coming into last year, you know, everyone thought you know, hey, this guy could be a legitimate. Like he's pushing himself towards being in the conversation for being one of the best goalies in the NHL. And now he's definitely like, is he in the top 20 goalies in the NHL? And that probably, I, if he is, he's definitely towards the bottom of that list. Uh, like he's fallen for sure from grace. Now we'll see if these moves on the defensive side kind of show, yeah, maybe he was exposed a little too much last year. Uh, let, let's talk up front with the Flyers. Uh, Claude Giroux, their captain, been there forever. He's in the last year of his deal. What do you think that they're going to do with him? Like, does he fit into this team anymore? Is he going to be a... Are we going to be having conversations about Claude Giroux on his way out of Philadelphia? Or is this, you know, hey, his contract's up, but they'll... We'll likely see them take care of it. Yeah, you know what? I think, honestly, as long as the production is still there... He provides great leadership. He provides great depth as far as you can move him around from wing to centerman. He still fits in anywhere on your lineup. You know, you can. He still plays top six minutes for you. And I honestly, he's obviously not going to, you know, get the same kind of numbers as far as contract is concerned, either term or AAV. And so I think as long as he's willing to take a little bit of a discount, you know, maybe six million dollars, two three years at the most. Um, I still think he's willing, you know, and the team's willing to keep him around just because of all the intangibles he brings from leadership standpoint. And then you look beyond Sean Couturier too. And really, um, you know what? I, I, I worry about their center depth because you know what? They brought in Nolan Patrick. They drafted him originally to help kind of fill in that second line spot. It didn't really pan out. He's off to Vegas now. Uh, Kevin Hayes, you know what? He's, he's a centerman. Sometimes he looks like he's got it. Sometimes I, I do worry about his his longevity as far as the way he plays the game. So having that extra veteran centerman there is going to be so key for this team, you know, especially why they wait for a guy like, say, Morgan Frost to develop, right, if he's going to be, you know, a, a next top six centerman for them. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, for me, I, I love Claude Drew. I love what he brings to the game. He's still chippy. He still can dish the puck just as good as anybody in the game. And so, uh, you know, again, if he's, you know, willing to take a little pay cut, 
I, I, I see no reason why the Flyers don't keep him around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I think that he'll he'll be pretty amenable to uh, to sticking around. Um, yeah. The, I mean, I guess you're going to look to Morgan Frost, like you said. He's probably on a number of the uh, people's pontifications on the Flyers. They pinned him as you know probably the player who has a good breakout year for the Flyers, Morgan Frost. Uh, that is entirely possible. He only played in two games last year. And uh, so it's his development maybe a little stunted again. COVID not helping anyone's development. Um, I wonder, you know. Side note: I wonder if COVID ends up being a really good thing for some veterans because some younger players take longer to develop, and so some veterans are going to get more jobs because of that. Yeah, know. and then they're not playing a full, you know, eighty games. So yeah, of course. So maybe their legs are a little bit, you know, more fresh too. Yeah. So yeah, that too. It's a good point. Uh, okay, I think that, uh, well, defensively, you know, we we didn't really hit on, uh, like, being able to sign Keith Yandel at 900000 Uh Keith Yandel's going to be a, a beautiful addition to their, whether it's their first power play or their, if he's on their second power play unit, man, that's a good back-end second power play unit guy. Like, he, he's somebody who legitimately can put up 50 points still, I think. You know, based on what we saw last year, 27 points in 56 games, and that was at a in a little more limited role. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he could put up 40 points for this Flyers team. No, I don't disagree. There's there's really nothing. There's enough talent up front, and there's enough talent, you know, around him on the back end to help him, you know, have that kind of production. Yeah, I think ultimately this team is really like they they need to show what they have, like. James Van Riemsdyk, he needs to be really good. Claude Giroux, he needs to be really good. Like, they have some veteran players. There are certainly younger guys, like a Joel Farabee, who just got a big contract extension. And and on their back end, they've, you know, they're not young guys anymore. Like, Ivan Provorov has been in the league now for, what, five years? Is this his fifth year in the league? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is his, this will be his sixth year in the NHL. So... I mean, we are past the point where we say, yeah, Ivan Provorov, he's a young guy. No, no, he's not a young guy. He just happens to be the youngest guy on their defense. But everyone has, you know, played multiple, multiple years in the NHL. I mean, this is an experienced blue line, maybe one of the more experienced blue lines in the National Hockey League. And, you know, there's no excuses anymore for the Flyers. Like, this is this is go time for them. And, yeah, and uh, listen, you've got Ristolainen, too, who's – finally coming off that those crappy Buffalo teams, and he's put on a team that actually has a chance to be in the playoffs, right? And he's in a contract year, so this could be a breakout year for him too. Yeah, I mean, he, for a, a really pitiful Buffalo team, still managed to put up 18 points in the 49 games. So, you know, maybe he's maybe he's back putting up 40 points, which he that's where he was when the Sabres were even just like halfway decent. They weren't good, but they weren't, the worst, uh, he was still putting up 40 points. So I, I think you could see him return to that. Uh, they've got some nice depth on their defense. I, they don't, pro Provorov aside, they don't, they have a lot of like three, four guys, like number three, number four defensemen, but that's a great way to fill out your, your full top six defensemen. I mean, they've, they are definitely in a good position where, you know, if one guy goes down, this whole defense isn't going to fall apart which was some, exactly. of, some of the other issues. Uh, okay, let's 
move on to the other side of Pennsylvania to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Penguins didn't do a whole lot in this offseason. They added Brock McGinn, Danton Heinen, and Dominic Simon. They lose Jared McCann to a trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs, who eventually gets taken by Seattle in the expansion draft. Brandon Tanev goes to the Kraken. Uh, he was their selection on, on Pittsburgh. And then uh, Cody Cece leaves for Edmonton after a one-year stint in Pittsburgh where he basically revived his career. Uh, Colton Sevier, Mark Jankowski, and Frederick Goudreau all out of Pittsburgh. Uh, my my biggest concern with this team, though, is they did absolutely nothing to address their goaltending. Their goaltending was not very good. There's so many question marks about it. Will that ultimately be their demise? Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of thinking so. I mean, honestly, I wish they would have, you know, again, they had an opportunity to go pluck a goaltender for a backup role here. I mean, listen, Casey, Casey DeSmith at $1.25 million, if you have to bury him in the minors or carry three goaltenders, fine, not a big deal. But, you know, again, it would have been great if they could have addressed that because, again, Tristan Jari, I just don't feel confident about him coming in, um, you know, Casey DeSmith, if he's got to play 20 games again, fine. You know what? You're going to get okay numbers out of him, and and that's that. But if he's got to play anything more than that, you know, if he's got to play 30, 40 games, I would be very, very worried if I'm a Penguins fan. Yeah, I mean, that that's really, I mean, goaltending-wise, Tristan Jari just, he didn't really impress in the playoffs. And there was, it, there was just so much of a critique on how he – handled himself in the playoffs that I just didn't know how you could come back and not necessarily not like I'm fine with coming back with Tristan Jari, but to come back with the same two goaltenders, that's what concerns me. Uh, I think that Tristan Jari probably has, has the opportunity to like, he's, he's in that like nine, 10 save percentage kind of, kind of goaltender. I think that he can be good enough, Uh, but he also has never started more than, like 39 games, which is what he did last year. So in a full on season, you're right. Like, do you want to see Casey DeSmith start even 25 games? And in which case you're getting Jari for 60, 63 games. That's probably too much for Jari. I wonder, I mean, there's not a whole lot out there in terms of like free agent goaltenders that you would, you would look at and say, yeah, that guy's a lot better than Casey DeSmith. Like there's, I mean, other than Tukarask, but I, I don't think Tukarask goes anywhere except for Boston unless he just retires. So I, I don't know what else is out there. I couldn't see Tukarask just signing in Pittsburgh. Could you? That would be kind of fun, though. <laughs> no. No, I don't I don't think that would happen. I think there if there's any move to be made, it's, it's done via trade. But um, the other thing they could have maybe done to address that a little bit more, you know, the issues with goaltending is maybe brought in some other defenders, right? Shake up the defense like Philly did a little bit, right? So maybe – to you know, soar up that back end and give your goaltender a little bit more confidence to say, hey, you know what, we still trust you, we still believe in you, but we think that you know bringing in a couple other guys right in front of you are, are, is going to definitely help. Now they didn't go out and do that. They didn't bring any defenders, and now not only that, now they've got to deal without their top two centermen for I think at least another six weeks. I think Crosby's mm-hmm. gone potentially, and Malkin's mm-hmm. two months. Mm-hmm. So you know what, you can't control the play. They're obviously going to be playing without the puck now a little bit more than probably with, in my opinion. So now you've got to worry about that a little bit more if you're in goal. Yeah, so, okay, how good does Jeff Carter have to be here to start the year? 
Because I think he's their number one center. Yeah, I mean, to start the season, yes, he's their number one center, and then they've got you know Evan Rodriguez and Teddy Bluger behind them, so you're not too confident. Oh, it's, God. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's nothing to really look at and be like, all right, cool. They basically got to float 500, in my opinion, while these two guys are out, and so you know, hopefully they get one of them back. Like I said, maybe you know, four to six weeks, Crosby comes back, and you know what? Then they can start riding the ship a little bit more because if Jeff Carter's your number two center, I'm okay with that, right? You can get by with him as your number two, but number one, I'm just I'm worried because don't get me wrong, if he's got to play with Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, who knows where they're going to pair him up, but I'm still worried regardless. Yeah, I mean, I in my mind, I want to see like Pittsburgh go out and just, I mean, they can put they can put. Uh, Sidney Crosby and Malkin on long-term injury. They, they, they could easily do that. I, my guess is once the season starts, they will do that. Uh, that would open up a lot of cap space for them. And, you know, there's one guy, I know that he's, he's older, not as nearly as effective as he once was, but you could bring in Eric Stahl, you know, a one year, 1 million bucks and, at least utilize him to start the year here uh, where he could be somewhat of a grounding, have a, have a grounding effect on this team where, you know, you don't, you're not relying on him to play more than 15, 16 minutes a night, but I think he's probably better than putting out a Teddy Bluger. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't actually disagree with you. You know, and if you surround him with some decent ringer wingers, like a Brian Rust and a, you know, again, Jay Gensel, you could probably get, you know, 30, 40 points out of this guy maybe this year. Um, now, again, once Crosby and Malkin come back, you know, he falls down in your depth chart and maybe he's, you know, playing third and fourth line minutes at that point, which is fine. But, you know, hey, you can you could probably get a few decent goals out of him. I still think he's he's got to have a little something left in the tank. And, I mean, he looked okay in Montreal in the playoffs last year. Didn't look great, but he looked good enough to, that he can still go out there and skate. Yeah, there's. You just think there's got to be someone out there you get scoop up, uh, but I think they're just going to kind of see how it goes here to start the year. You know, that's maybe how I, I I know they they do have Brian Boyle on a on a PTO. So at very least, you've got Brian Boyle who will take all your face offs and then skate off the ice <laughs> as fast as he can. He he didn't play at all last year in the NHL. He played in the world uh, world championship. And that was it for Brian Boyle. So obviously he's trying to get back and uh, playing at a high level. And so may- maybe he ends up signing with the Penguins for uh, league men. But you know, and that would at least help the the center ice face off problem that is is likely to be there to start the year without Malkin and Crosby. Okay, so here's a bigger picture. Like we know Crosby and Malkin, they're going to both come back. Uh, Malkin maybe is a little bit more of a question mark because he seems to have had nagging injuries the last several years. Uh, but Malkin, Latang, Rust and Carter, they're all UFAs at the end of the year. Are there, is there any chance they aren't on the penguins when the season ends? Oh boy! Um, like these are I all guess, guys. I, Carter aside, Malkin, Latang, Rust. Like these are guys. They 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 were all there for you know the two recent Stanley Cup victories. Uh, Malkin and Latang, obviously they they won one in two thousand and eight as well, and uh, two thousand nine, eight, nine. 
Nine. Nine. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Eight was Detroit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so, is there any chance that any of them goes at the deadline if Pittsburgh is is out of it? Hmm. You know, if they're way out of it, like towards the bottom, there's so many games out. There's absolutely no chance. Then yes, I could see a Brian Russ going, potentially a Jeff Carter going, but outside of that, I really don't see a Chris Letang or Afghani Malkin moving. I, I just don't think at this point in their careers, it's just... You, you know, don't think that this family. would be the... You know, I feel like Afghani Malkin has... There's always been rumors about Malkin being, being dealt. You don't think that maybe this is the time where, you know, that it actually comes true and the Penguins eat... The Penguins eat half of his contract. They trade him to Phoenix... Arizona where they eat half the rest and then he ends up getting traded to like the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, or, no. Um that would be funny though to actually watch that. That that wouldn't shock me either, but um if it what, happens think, if it happens I'm going to be scurrying back to this episode <laughs> in like 8 months or so or 6 months or whatever and <laughs> I'm going to be putting it on blast. I'm going to start oh a TikTok gosh. account just to play that. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> no, but listen, in the past, the reason Malkin has always been on the block is because his contract is so large and they've always been tied up against the cap, trying to find ways to wiggle in other guys to, to create depth for this team, you know, on the wing anyways. And so um, that's not the case this time, right? I think the case this time is more or less just the fact that, you know what, hey, his deal's up after this year and, um, you know, whether he resigns is going to be a big question mark. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it now. I don't think. Malkin resigns. I think he goes to Russia and calls it a career for, you know, America, and and that's that. Uh, he pulls a Pavel Dadzuk per se, but, um, yeah. I mean, I I think you know what they they're just they're always gonna feel they're in it as long as they have Crosby and Malkin there, and you know, regardless of how far out they are, I think they're always gonna feel like they're in it. Um, and they've got you know they've got the talent up front to do it. It's just you know again, can the goaltending keep them close, keep them in it? So. Yeah, and that's like their weakest part. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's that's a big question. Penguins penguins are maybe the the most difficult team to pin this year because because again, you're right, they have Crosby and Malkin. But they're not gonna be there for the first little bit. And they have bad goaltending. But they have like Latang's in a contract year, so you never know what that could do. And so is Malkin. And if Malkin decides that he does want to play, like what, you know, hey, there's there's some teams with some Russians on it that maybe he'd want to sneak over to, or maybe he just wants to keep playing for the Penguins. But, I, yeah, have you have you actually heard, has anybody said that he's going to go to Russia? Or is that just I, purely... I've heard a, it. I've heard it, but there's no, there's no sources that confirm that he's been talking about that. And there's speculation. That's about it. Okay. And really, I mean... It's one of those things where there's smoke, there might be fire. I don't know. Sure, sure. We'll I mean, he's one like it's not like it's not like some other guys where they're like, "Well, I've never won the cup before," so like maybe you could see them going and jumping around. Or I, I don't know. I, I if Malkin's healthy though, I, I think that he'll probably stay in the league. He'll sign his one year deals here and there, maybe one year, eight million bucks or something like that, and go sign something. I mean, he's still a point per game player, no matter how you cut it. Uh, he's still very effective, so I think he'd still get paid if he wanted to go somewhere else. But uh, that will obviously remain to be seen. But I, I mean, I think there's a good chance that somebody who will become a UFA next year won't be on the Penguins when the regular season ends. I think there is a strong chance of that. 
and we will see. Uh, okay, let's go. Washington Capitals, the last team in the Metro. They added. Um, they added really nobody except for like Vitek Vanacek, who left for like a week, and uh, <laughs> and came back. Like he was taken in the expansion draft, and then they traded. Brendan, well, they traded Brendan Dillon for two second round picks, and then they traded one of those second round picks back for Vitek Vanacek. Um, and then they also lose Craig Anderson, who uh, goes and is is officially a part of probably the worst goaltending duo uh, any NHL team has posted up in a very long time uh, up there in oh. Buffalo. Uh, they are they are going hard after Shane Wright, and then there's. Uh, Michael Raffle, they also lost. So the Capitals really not doing a whole lot in terms of significant ads or subtractions, really. Uh, they're, for the most part, coming in with who they had last year. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's I guess, the reason why my number one question is, how many goals will Ovechkin score? <laughs> <laughs> well, they got smart and they locked him up long enough to where he might actually be able to pass Gretzky's record. And who knows, he might play into his mid-40s just so he can do it, right? Sure. Um, that guy is talented enough. He just needs to just literally sit at the top of the circle and let it rip. He doesn't need to skate anywhere at all, just in and out of the neutral zone, and that's about it. And Just let him do his thing on the power play, and boom, he'll put up 20 goals a year, no problem. Yeah, he, um, needs, he needs 165 goals to break the record all okay. time. So 165 goals... And if, if he plays all those five years and he scored 40 goals a year, he would be five goals short. So okay. you know, yeah, he needs, well, okay. So he needs 41 goals a year. Uh, he's now, you know, it's a bummer for him because it really, like you look at some of his really great years. I mean, there's the lockout year where he only played in uh, 48 games. I don't really think that the lockout in 2004 really hurt him all that much. Like, that would have been his rookie year. Yeah, he might have come in and scored another 40 goals, but who knows what would, you know, that was a different, kind of a different era of hockey even then. So maybe the lockout actually helped him to score more goals uh, coming out of it in his rookie year because of that. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll call that one a wash. But the last two years, I mean, you know, you're only able to play. Uh, three quarters of a season and then kind of basically half a season last year. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be tight. Now, if he plays like another seven years, I think it's like money in the bank. He's right. going to definitely, and that's the thing. you know, he'll definitely be able to score, you know, 25 goals a year over that, that period. Uh, okay. Well, that was, uh, yeah, I, I think this year, let's just give over, let's, let's go over under 50 goals. Does he get to 50? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I think 40 goals is, is reasonable. I think he's capable of doing that. Um, you know, again, this is still a pretty talented group of guys up front. They're just – they're aging a little bit. I mean, you know, and unfortunately, they they had to sign Ovechkin, right, to a big money deal. I mean, you know, he's definitely worth $9.5 million just by the amount of people he puts in the seats alone, and he could still score goals. Nicholas Backstrom, in my opinion, he's getting overpaid now, but I think it's just a matter of, you know, he probably was owed that because uh, he was underpaid in his last contract. So, um, you know, at $6.7 million, he definitely wasn't getting paid what he was worth to this team. So, yeah, I mean, he's still yeah. a point-per-game guy. You know, where right. nobody's Absolutely. complaining about a like point-per-game guy making $9 bucks. Like, that's, that's about – he's probably about where he should be, except for you wonder what year is it that – 
it suddenly becomes way too much. Like, when does he put up 40, 45 points in 82 games? And you go, ooh, now that contract looks really bad. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, up front, right? So the question mark for me is all about uh, the Birdman, Evgeny Kuznetsov, yeah. right? Yep. He's he's your second-line center. What kind of player are you going to get this year? Are you going to get the guy that doesn't want to be there, that's that's ready to get traded and, you know, gives you 40, 50 points? Or are you going to get the guy from a few years ago that was – you know, essentially close to a point per game, if not a point per game player. And so, um, yeah, that's that's really the big the X factor for this team because, you know, if they want to be successful, it's all driven by their offense, in my opinion. They don't have a very, you know, outside of John Carlson, I, I really look at this defense and it's just a bunch of fourth, fifth, you know, fifth defensemen. And and then the deep, and then the goaltending to me too is is still questionable. I'm not sold on this goaltending. I know a lot of guys. A lot of people were still in on, on Vanacek, and they thought he was a pretty good goaltender. Samsonov was supposed to be the goalie of the future for this team, but I'm not sold on either one of these guys being anything more than a, a 1B or backup goaltender. So, you know, what are we going to get here? And so if, if they can improve, if they can play a little bit better in the defense, obviously outside of Carlson, if these guys can play at their peak, then this team's going to be successful. But in my opinion, it's all driven on what goes up front. You know, how many goals can this team score every night? Yeah, I mean, defensively they're okay. I mean, they they can hold their own a little bit. They, I mean, they have got to be one of the oldest defensive core. I mean, it's like every single person on their defense core is over the age of thirty. That's actually hilarious. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's Carlson thirty one. So is Schultz and Jensen and Kempney. Then you have Van Reems, Trevor Van Reemsdijk, and Orlov are thirty, and then Matt Irwin thirty three. I mean, that is an old ass defense. That is a very that is. That is aging very, very quickly, not to mention, you know, who they have up front. I mean, their youngest player is Anthony Mantha, who's 27 years old. Oh, Daniel right. Sprong is 24. He's their only player under the age of 20. Uh, Brian Pinho. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, he doesn't count. I don't think, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can. I mean, yeah, he played in two games last year. So, Brian Pinho, you don't count. Uh, their youngest player, Daniel Sprong, 24. And then the next guy, two two twenty seven year olds, Tom Wilson and Anthony Mantha. Everyone else is twenty nine plus. So that's definitely an aging team. Um, but I think you're right. It, it all hinges on Kuznetsov. Everything because if if he can show up and he can be the guy who's putting up fifty five sixty points again, then we're in business. Like then we're talking first place Capitals in the Metro. Uh, if he's going to go and put up forty points, you know, forty five points, it's not going to be a very good sign for, for Kuznetsov uh, or the Capitals. I, I think the Capitals are going to need a lot of help because their top six is what's going to drive this. I don't like their bottom six very much at all. Uh, so I, I really, this they're so top-heavy that it's it's going to be very, very important that everyone up there produces big time. And uh, I, I think that Anthony Mantha has potential to to go 35 goals. I think that we could see a huge year out of Anthony Mantha, uh, but I—that's I, probably the player who needs to like come out and surprise you the most. Uh, so far, st- kind of struggled in Washington. He's got four goals in the 19 games that he played with them, including the playoffs, and uh, that's not going to cut it over time. So we'll see if Mantha. We'll see how that trade turns out. That Verana Mantha now. Uh, uh, Verana is not going to play for the Red Wings for. What the first four months, so that's uh, that sucks. But 
Uh, we'll see if Mantha can outplay Verana even in a shortened season for Verana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like you know, like you said, their their top six are are good and they're very top heavy. But outside of that, really, all they have is Lars Eller, and so. Yeah, I do. I do worry about it uh, when you start looking at depth for this team, and you know, Connor Sherry, Carl Haglin, these guys aren't the same players they used to be, and so, you know what? I mean, it's it's going to be do or die for this top six, and hopefully, like you said, Kuznetsov shows up and he's that that sixty point guy again. Yeah, uh, I I think this is the team now where we're going, and Pittsburgh's in the same boat. They they remind me. Of the Red Wings, you know, the Red Wings won the cup in 2008. They go to the final in 09. And 2010, they were really good. And then it kind of started, starting in like 2011, it was like, how long can this team be really good? And then how sure. long can, the, you know, every year be like, mm, wow, they're still pretty good. Yeah, I just feel like when's the bubble going to burst? And then, you know, of course, finally it did. Uh, and, and it was because Zetterberg and Datsuk basically aged out and... I, I do think that Ovechkin's a different player. Um, I guess Datsuk didn't really age out. He just didn't want to be here anymore. And I, I think Ovechkin's different than that. Uh, obviously a far more outspoken and and like in the public's eye kind of kind of guy than Datsuk ever was. But this team at some point will have a year where you go, ugh. Like 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 the San Jose Sharks. I mean, we thought that they would have the best defense in the league, and and they would have three defensemen putting up over fifty points. And right now, you're going, oh, <laughs> look at that really <laughs> overpaid team. And eventually, that is going to be the case, probably for the Capitals, especially the Capitals, because they have so many of those players, like Oshie, Mantha, like locked up. They're locked up for a good of Backstrom for another four years, like. That's a long time to be locked up. Whereas at least Pittsburgh's in a in a situation where, hey, you know, if if Malkin if he just like can't stay healthy, you know, hey, there's nine and a half million bucks. You know, Jake Getzel's only twenty six. He's only signed for another three years. Crosby, he, you don't care. You'll you'll pay Crosby as however much he needs. But the, they're in a much different position because they don't have a lot of old players signed for a long time. They didn't spend the money on the TJ Oshi. And that's probably the biggest difference is that they don't have that anchor contract like Washington does. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Maybe not this year. Might not be a huge impact this year, but down the road. Uh, okay. Well, it's that time, Justin. It's that time to make your playoff prediction. Oh, all right. Uh, let's let's start her up from the bottom. Who will finish last place in the Metropolitan Division? Okay, um, I'm going to say the Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay, Columbus Blue honest. Jackets. Yep. There. Yeah. There's no reason to think that the Columbus Blue Jackets will be very good. <laughs> yeah, I like Elvis Merlikens, but outside of that, I think they've just got too many issues. Uh, you know, no center depth. They've got a new head coach. It's going to take some getting used to and so you know what i think it's just gonna it's gonna be bad for them yeah for me i'm, I'm gonna go columbus and new jersey uh, i'll say columbus finishes last but uh it i think both those teams are going to be the bottom feeders once again in this division yeah i got new jersey next at number seven for sure okay and your number six and yeah. okay hold on before we do this how many teams make the playoffs in this division 
Oh, that that's good. Um, I'm going to go four and four with this Atlantic four Metro four. Okay. here. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, because I mean the the Atlantic, it's pretty in my mind. It's pretty easy to pick four teams that will probably make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a matter of that fifth team that I think really has a chance to make it. Like I I think the Atlanta the Atlantic Division is head and shoulders better than any other division out there. And and that like the Buffalo Sabres aside, of course, but I, I mean the Sabres are gonna finish so low in the standings because they have to play the Atlantic Division. You know, what what you play every team in there what six times? Yeah, seven times? or eight times for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I mean you're talking like fifty games <laughs> you're playing against uh, uh or forty forty to fifty games that you're playing against this Atlantic division. And really the only the only team that you can go, ah, they're not that gonna be that good, the Red Wings. But even the Red Wings are gonna probably be better than they were last year. Right. So. Like Detroit and Ottawa, they're going to fight you every single night. Yep, they're not going to yep. give you easy wins. Yep, not to mention, yeah. Anyways, okay. So, the, in my mind, there is there is probably a good chance that five teams go from the Atlantic. A good chance, but that that doesn't mean there will. I I think that you're. It's fair to say, yeah. I mean, either either three or four from the Metro. Definitely not five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely uh, not five. So who are you going at six? Who's gonna who's gonna be on the outside of the playoff? Okay. Yeah, this this was tough. I really had to think about this one, but honestly, I'm going Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, thinking that they're just not gonna be able to make up for the loss of Crosby and Malkin early on. Yeah, I think they're gonna drown really, really fast to start the season, and they're just gonna be playing, you know, with their head underwater for the rest of the year, trying to get above. And it's just not going to work out because they don't have the goaltending to do it. And I, I think, you know, again, you know, without Malkin or Crosby to start the year, it's just going to be tough to make up. Yeah, I I have to. I mean, it sucks to have the same exact order, but I I, I have to agree. I think I think there's a chance that the, the Penguins could be really bad in the beginning and that it actually like it just kind of snowballs out of, all out of control and they end up having one of those like okay, we know that they weren't that good, but they weren't that bad. Like maybe they finish second to last in this division and, and you know, you go, holy smokes, what happened? Uh, I think that there's, there is that chance. But yeah, I, I, when I look at the rest of the division, I don't see how losing Crosby and Malkin for that long, how I can put them ahead of any of the, of these other teams. Right. And that's, that's the question mark, right? And they still could be, you know, within, you know, four or five games of a playoff spot or a bubble spot there. But ultimately, it's just it's really, you know, there's a lot of those middling teams in this division where I think, you know, you can really roll the dice and they're not top heavy like Atlantic where you just look at the, you know, three or four teams at the top there and you're like, those are no brainers, right? Right, right, exactly. Uh, Okay, well, let's go number five then. Yeah, number five, I think I'm going to have to put the Philadelphia Flyers here. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm, see I really like what the Flyers did on their back end, and I think that Carter Hart is going to have a completely different year. Uh, I am kicking the Carolina Hurricanes back to five. Oh, uh, oh. I, I really like them. I don't like what they did with their goaltending. I think that they made too many changes, and uh, they they kind of ditched on, on what was a good thing, and I, I think that the Hurricanes... 
They're not going to be so far out of it that it's uh, that it's like a you know ridiculous. But I think that you know they probably finish in that like ninety three, ninety four points and just miss the playoffs. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay, so that that's who I have at five. Who who do you have at? Uh, and then I'm going to put Philadelphia at four. Okay, so fair. I'll say Philadelphia is that like they they might be a wild card team. They might not, depending on how good that Atlantic ends up being. But I I do really like the changes that they made. I think that they were aggressive, good changes. And uh, whereas Carolina, I think they just like made changes just to be cheap ass, like. It's no reason that they should have done what they did, and <laughs> and it's going to end up coming back to bite them. I I I know it will. That's just what happens. Okay. <laughs> when wow. you make changes I... for no reason, for like from what seems like a stupid reason, and I and I don't think that that Anti Ranta or Frederick Anderson can stay healthy. So okay, they're going to be they're going to be uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel of the goalies in that organization. Alex Lyon, let's go. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, who's your number four in the division? My number four, I'm going to put Washington at number four. I okay. just, again, I don't have, like, these teams below them with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Goaltending is questionable for me, but I think Washington ultimately has enough power up front to get it done. Um, you know, but again, they're still going to have issues keeping the puck out of the net. Okay, I've got to go New York Rangers with... Uh, with my next slot there at number three. All right. New York Rangers at number three. And, uh, that puts the Washington capitals at two for me. And, uh, and then obviously I'm going with, I'm going with everyone else. I I think the Islanders just have so much depth and such good goaltending that this, this division being a little weaker than it has been, uh, I'm going to say they take it. Yeah. Okay. I can't disagree with you. I think the Islanders for me coming at number one, at number two, however, I've got the New York Rangers. I really just – I like watching this team, and I think guys like Ryan Strom, Zabinajad, being in contract years, they're going to just totally blow up. And, you know, Zabinajad, we're probably going to see another 40-point or another 40-goal season. Uh, you know, Lafreniere, Kako, they, I think they take another step forward, and they've got good enough goaltending and a Norris Trophy defender back there to get it done. And at number three, I've got the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. All right, I like it. Yep. So, so you've got a a Hurricanes New York Rangers rematch of the bubble. Absolutely. There you go. That would that would be fun. Uh, I guess that means that I have, yeah, I, I'll have the the Washington Capitals and <clears throat> and the Rangers there. So that's uh, either way. I mean, there's a rematch somewhere in there. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, there's our, our metropolitan division, I think for the Atlantic division, you know, not that, not that anyone else, not that anyone out there notices too hard, uh, that we're over Skype, but good news. We're coming together to record the Atlantic division, uh, especially the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings being, those are our teams that, uh, we'll spend some extra time on those. And, uh, we're doing an in-person show for the first time in like six months yeah maybe yeah oh all right well justin well done the metro metropolitan division is complete we have one more division left the nhl season starts in a week basically a week a week wednesday oh we're very very close uh i'm i i'm still nervous for some of these teams without their uh their rfas signed what's going on 
Well, the big one left is Brady Kachuk. Brady so let's Kachuk. See what, I mean, to, he he's their future, right? I mean, so why why see, not just give this guy what he wants? Is he gonna get? Uh, what do you think? What do you? Let, let's give a Brady Kachuk prediction here. Maybe maybe I, maybe we'll get it before the show. Uh, are are we thinking seven million? Eight yeah, million? I think he's gonna get he's gonna get Pedersen money. I think is what he's gonna get. I, Three years, seven million bucks. I'm like wondering that. if he gets eight million bucks because you know why? Because the GM you know of uh, of Ottawa comes out, Pierre Dorian, and he says we're no longer in a rebuild. And Brady Kachuk's got to go, bro. You, if you don't <laughs> give me my money, you're gonna be like a rebuilding team. So. <laughs> You better, you better pay me. I mean, they have the cap space to do it. It's not like their their most expensive forward is Drake Batherson under five million dollars. So it's it's not as if they can't afford to pay him. And frankly, I don't think at least under under the NHL cap, maybe there's a an internal cap that that we uh, don't know about. But I mean, you're just not going to pay him more than Shabbat, you know. Probably if if you pay him eight million, it's it's eight million solid, just like Shabbat. Uh, but we shall see, won't we? Can't wait. All right. Well, that is our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Let us know what you thought, and we will get with you soon. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs>